1944, in Romania, atheism became a state religion. And following that, those who proclaimed Jesus Christ would be arrested, some would be tortured, and some lost their lives. In 1948, there was a man named Richard Wormbrand. He was a Lutheran pastor. During this time, he was in prison for 14 years. And during those 14 years, he was tortured repeatedly for the name of Christ. His wife, Sabina, was also imprisoned. And she was also forced to work in a slave labor camp on a canal in the freezing winter. Their son, Mihai, was left alone and homeless. All of this was because this family stood for the name of Jesus Christ. And what began it all was there was a gathering in Romania of all the religions to really declare um, atheism and communism. And Sabina was sitting next to her husband, Richard, and she said, you have to say something. And he said, if I say something, uh, you will lose your husband. And she said, I would rather lose my husband than to have a husband for a coward. And Richard Wormbrand went to the front. He declared the gospel and that the duty of everyone is to glorify God and Christ alone. And a short time after that is when he was arrested. 14 years facing persecution day in and day out. But God preserved his life. And one of the things that you learn from how God preserved Richard Wormbrand's life during those 14 years of imprisonment and persecution was through prayer, communion with God, asking of God, and God supplying hope and love and joy to Richard in the darkest place that you could imagine. This morning we look at a text in Luke 18 in which Jesus tells us the main point of it. It's a parable in which we've seen parables over the last few chapters, and we're looking for what is the main truth out of them. Here, Jesus tells the disciples the main truth, and the big idea this morning is this. Be persistent in prayer and do not give up because your hope is in Jesus Christ. Look at Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he not delay long over them? I tell you, he will give he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth. We have the privilege this morning to read the words that came from the lips of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Father, I pray that you would grant us an understanding this morning. That we would be people who are trusting in you every moment of our life. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us how to pray and that you would pray on behalf of us. And Jesus, we come to you because you listen to our prayers. You hear them. And we pray and ask that you would answer today. Bless the reading and the preaching of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were not here last week, last week we were at the conclusion of chapter 17. Pharisees asked Jesus, when is the kingdom of God coming? He gives them uh, an answer and he turns to his disciples and describes the second coming of Christ when his kingdom comes. And it will surprise people. No one will be expecting it at the moment when Christ returns. And following that and leading into chapter 18, I'd remind you that, or if you didn't know this, there were no chapters or verses when uh, Luke wrote this. And so there would just be a continuation from Luke chapter 17 uh, at the end of the chapter there in verse 37 on into 18 verse 1. And therefore, when you see 18 verse 8, he's still speaking of this return of the kingdom of God. And therefore, God is looking for people of faith who are trusting in him. And the way that they persevere is through prayer. Therefore, let us look at this parable. Verses 1 through 5, Jesus is teaching the disciples. He's teaching us, do not stop praying. Do not stop praying. In verse 1, it says the point of the parable before he tells it. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, if you've read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you would say there is a lot of scripture about prayer and about praying and about how to pray. You can read through the book of Psalms and King David not only writes Psalms, which he says, play to it with this music, a song that we sing. But you also see prayers that King David lifts before the Lord. He cries out to them as we began the service with Psalm chapter 63, that in the watches of the night, we not only meditate on the word of God, but we pray and seek God in those moments. I would like you, though, to look at some scripture with me, beginning in Ephesians chapter 6. In which we have numerous passages which we could just spend this morning reading passage after passage after passage after passage about prayer and about seeking the Lord. And I've chosen to highlight a few of them for us this morning. In Ephesians 6, after the Apostle Paul says there's a battle going on, a spiritual battle between Satan and the demons and believers that he says to put on the armor of God so you can stand when you're attacked That there's a shield of faith to extinguish the arrows, the flaming arrows of Satan that talks about the helmet of salvation and talks about the sword of the spirit, the weapon you have, which is the word of God. But look what follows directly after that in Ephesians six in verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
It's continued the, the, the same message that Jesus told his disciples the night that he was arrested, when they fell asleep in the garden, when he called them to pray. He says, stay alert, keep awake. You need to pray at all times. And here we look at this parable that is shared with the disciples so that they would be praying at all times. And the Apostle Paul writes, after you put on the armor, pray at all times. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, just to the right of Ephesians. Sorry, Colossians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He says in verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Did you see the description there? Not only steadfastly in prayer, as we're looking at this truth and this teaching about the need to be persistent and keep praying, but it says be watchful in prayer with thanksgiving. There are ways that we should approach God and ask of Him. And with that, there should be thanksgiving when we pray. There should be a watchfulness. And so to think about what we are asking God to do, to answer. How are we praying according to His will? When you read uh, in the gospel accounts, when Jesus teaches disciples, they say, teach us to pray. He says, pray in this way. Not to pray like a robot, but to pray in a sense with guidance from the Word of God according to the will of God, so that we know when we are asking, we're asking according to what He desires to grant us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can pray some pretty selfish things. I can pray some things that are not of God's will. I could pray some things just because I want some something, some pleasure for my life, or I want some peace in something, and it's not of what God would desire for us to pray, for me to pray. So I'm thankful we have the Word of God, which teaches us how to pray. And also I'm thankful because the Word of God teaches us that when you don't know what to pray, when you're in that moment of groaning before the Lord, the Holy Spirit prays on behalf of us. And Jesus Christ, our mediator, the one who hears this, is the one who answers according to His will. Turn to the right, the next book, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. After the Apostle Paul teaches regarding the day of the Lord, again, the second coming of Christ, the Scripture also describes it the terrible day of the Lord because God will pour out His wrath on all those who have not placed their faith in Christ alone. And he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Did you read that? Did you see that? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the what? The will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You're to rejoice always. But you ever struggle with rejoicing? You ever had trouble? Maybe this past week? You watch the news, you got the phone call, whatever it may be, and there's not a sense that you want to rejoice. But yet the Word of God says rejoice always. The rejoicing always comes from the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The rejoicing comes from knowing that He's returning one day. But it says pray without ceasing. I've known believers... 
who I've thought many times, man, I want, I want to pray like they do. And I read about men and women of faith in Christ who wake up and for hours in the morning before anyone else is awake praying. And I desire that. And at the same time, I know I shouldn't compare myself to that. The Holy Spirit works in us and calls us to pray. But I ask myself, am I constantly praying? Am I praying without ceasing? When I'm driving in the car, when I'm with my family, when I'm out fishing, when I'm out on a walk, when I'm exercising, am I praying constantly without ceasing? I don't know about you, but I can think of times in my life where I prayed in the morning when I'm waking up and I don't remember if I prayed during the day and I laid down on the pillow at night. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I haven't sought you in prayer today. And I fall asleep in prayer. <clears throat> and then I can think of times where I was able to get away and spend significant amount of times in prayer. <clears throat> Christ teaches this parable that we would be people who would be constantly praying. Go to Luke 18 and let's look at this parable. In a certain city, there's a judge and this judge, he didn't fear God and he didn't respect or have any love for man whatsoever. There's a widow in the city who's coming to him and asking for justice, saying, give me justice against my adversary there in verse three. And he refuses. This judge lives life as an atheist without morals. He is not honest. He is not just. He is not fair. He actually has a duty to make just decisions, but he shirks his duty and eventually answers out of annoyance. Now, this widow, we don't know her story. She could possibly have been in a situation very dependent on the justice that the judge would give so that she could survive. We don't know what she was facing, but she is persistent. And this is what Jesus is saying. Pay attention to this widow. Be persistent like she did. She didn't take no for an answer. It's constantly, hey, judge, I have these these enemies. They're doing this. You need to give me justice. He's like, go away. The next day, judge, I came to you yesterday. Please, you need to give me justice. These people are wronging me. And he's like, go away. It's like every single morning she is there waiting for him to come out of his chambers and saying, judge, you need to give me justice. This judge finally answers not because he agrees that she needs justice not because he fears the Lord and the Lord put upon his heart he's like stop annoying me get out of my life you ever been annoyed by someone before some of you are like thinking about someone like alright don't be sinful here but um, you know, you ever been annoyed by someone or something is constantly coming up and up, you know, over and over. It's like, you just want to get rid of that. I mean, this is why he answers, not because it's right to give justice, just because he is so annoyed by this woman. And so verse four, for a while he refuses. 
But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That word to be beaten down literally means to beat someone black or blue, to smite someone or to hit someone so it causes bruises. It means an unbearable annoyance to the point of wearing someone out. This is the wording used to describe how annoying this woman is to this man, even though she's coming with a valid case. It's out of his annoyance of her he finally answers. And Jesus says that we are to be like this woman, to pray without ceasing, to constantly ask of the Lord to answer our prayers and to not give up, but to keep asking. And especially in light of the text last week and what Jesus has already told his disciples We know that there is trouble in this world for all who would stand for the name of Christ. When you read the story of Richard Wurmbrand and his wife and his son, during the time of his imprisonment, he was repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly beaten. Beaten on his feet, beaten all over. He was burned by the guards. For three years, he spent it in solitary confinement, 30 feet below the ground. For three years, locked away in darkness. Many other things they did. They forced him to stand in a small box filled with spikes for not just hours, but for days. And when you read the account of his life, he was constantly in prayer. Not only prayer for to be out of there, to pray for his wife, to pray for his son, but he prayed for the believers in Romania. He prayed for the guards, and the guards hated him for that. But he was constant in prayer. When you read that prayer and his memory of the word of God sustained him during that time, it should teach us to go to the word of God, to hide God's word in our heart, to be people who are constantly praying according to the word, according to the will of God. Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And as I looked at the life of Richard Wormbrand, this text in Romans 12 verse 12 came to my mind and I reflected on it this week because this man locked away. You would think after a year or after three years of solitary confinement, you would think that you'd just give up at some point. But this man rejoiced in hope because Christ Jesus is a Savior. And therefore the hope in Christ never leaves the believer. And he was able to be patient in the tribulation. He made a deal with the guards at one point. They would beat him every time he'd start to preach the gospel. And so he made him a de- made, they made a deal. He says, uh, 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 you let me preach the gospel and uh, then you can beat me for it. Something like that. And so he would preach the gospel and they would take him out and go beat him. 
But he was patient in all of the tribulation, in all the persecution, because the hope he has in Christ. And it was all bound together through constant prayer. I wonder how many of us would continue to pray, specifically out loud, if we knew an enemy standing there, ready to take us in the other room and beat us. How many of us would call out on Jesus? How many of us would keep praying? Or would we keep our mouths shut so we don't have to face persecution? It's a good question to think about in today in our world and what we may face ahead of us is would we be people who stand for the name of Christ who persist in prayer or would we be silent to avoid any and all persecution? It's a question to consider But it's also something to see through the lens of verses 6 through 8 here in Luke 18. That we would expect God to act on behalf of his people. Look at verse 6 here. Jesus goes on and the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge, which he just was describing, says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Jesus is teaching the disciples then and teaching us now that God, the Father, that He's the just judge over everyone, especially His people, followers of Christ, His children. Look at this verse here in verse 7. Will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? Some people, when they read this text, great joy. Yes, we fully expect that God would answer our prayers because He loves us, because He cares for us. But some people are repulsed when they read this ver- word, this verse, because there's a word that says elect or it says chosen in there. It's a word that sometimes Christians get up at arms. I used to be up at arms against this word thinking, well, this is a bad word. It's not a good word. And I would say when you read this, it's a glorious word describing followers of Christ Because if you're not the elect, then you are the wicked. And there's a response by God to prayer. This word elect means picked out. It means chosen by God. It's used 22 times in the New Testament. One time it describes the uh, chosen or elect angels of God. Uh, Three times it describes uh, Jesus Christ as the elect son of God the Father. And 18 times this word elect or chosen describes the believer, the Christian, the child of God. And I used to hate that word because I just put my own thoughts and beliefs and things I heard on people on that. But it's a glorious thing when you know that you're a child of God because God answers the prayers of his chosen ones, his children. If you are a follower of Christ, you have the great privilege of not only knowing Jesus Christ, but you can pray and he listens And he answers. So 
So let's look at a few verses here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I love the book of 1 John, the letter of 1 John, because there's so much that teaches us about our assurance of our faith in Jesus Christ. And it goes on, verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Is there joy in your heart when you know that God answers your prayer? Yes? I mean, we wouldn't pray if God didn't answer our prayer. Now, in a moment, we'll look at how does God answer Yes, no, you have to wait. That's the, sometimes the struggle there. But for the believer, it says here clearly in 1 John 5 that he answers our prayers. Turn to the left to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse, verse 12. He's quoting um, the book of Psalm. And it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Our Father wants us to pray. And he hears and he listens to us. But as we'll see, there are things that get in the way. For the wicked, God does not listen or hear their prayers. And for the believer who battles with sin, it tells us and teaches us from the Word of God, we'll look at some scripture here, that there is a struggle in regards to this praying to the Lord. John chapter 15, a great, wonderful chapter about life in Christ, the Christian life abiding in Him and He abiding in us. In John chapter 15, it says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, What are the words of God? Let me ask that before we go on. Where do we find the words of God? Right here. Not something that God just, hey, I heard. You know, I think God spoke. No, the words of God here. John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And right away we're like, yes, whatever we wish, right? Man, I need this and I need that. No. Again, according to God's will. Yes, God blesses us, sometimes with even the smallest things. But he said, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. And so only the chosen, only the elect, only the adopted, those Christians have their prayers listened to and answered. And it's clear from Scripture, we'll look at three of them right here, that God does not listen, and he does not answer the prayers of the wicked. John chapter 9. Turn to the left there a couple pages where we were just at. John chapter 9, verse 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. You should highlight that. Underline that. Put that up when you think about prayer. God does not listen to sinners. That's huge. If anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. 
Proverbs chapter 15, verse 29, it says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. When we read that, we should say amen. Because in Christ, we are made righteous and he answers our prayers. Proverbs 28, verse 9, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, what is the law? The word of God. If anyone turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. A few weeks ago, we saw the things that God says, these things are an abomination to me. And we don't want to be in that list. And yet here it says, again, those who reject the law of God, who turn away from hearing the law of God, their prayer to God is an abomination. So the need for us to be in the word so that we know how to pray according to the will of God, that he would listen and that he would answer. If you are without Christ today, your prayers are not listened to and your prayers are not answered. According to scripture. But we learn some wonderful truths here about God and his character in Luke 18. Look back here with me. Verse 7, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? <clears throat> we learn from Jesus' word that God is both just and he is merciful. We like that, right? We like the mercy. We like the grace of God. We love the love of God. But sometimes we struggle with his justice, right? If you just think about our world, we struggle with justice in general. Because if justice is given, and if there is a just judge and a right just judge, then he must punish whatever law was broken, right? If you go to court and you know that someone has done something against you and broken a law, you go to a judge because you want a just judge to give a ruling so that you uh, win. Those things are made right. Is that correct? I mean, how many people that have been wronged by a lawbreaker go to a judge so that the judge will give a unjust ruling? You don't do that. But here we learn that God is both just and he is merciful. Yet many people in this world think that justice and mercy are opposed. They cannot go together. That to be a just judge that has a lawbreaker that comes in front of them, a just judge must find them guilty and correctly punish him or her. And then some people say, but mercy, those show compassion and to pardon the lawbreaker. And so many people don't believe that God is both just and merciful. Yet the word of God teaches us and Jesus teaches us in this, that God perfectly displays both of the attributes of justice and of mercy. If you look up all the other religions in this world, their God or deity or whatever demon that they believe in, they, they believe that their God's mercy is applied or given at the expense of justice. And that their God, the demons that they are worshiping, can grant mercy to a person. But at the same time, they dismiss the breaking of the law. So they're like, I'm going to grant you mercy, uh, even though you broke the law, I'll just kind of move it to the side. That's what other religions believe. 
People cannot comprehend a just judge and a merciful judge. A just God and a merciful God. We believe in the one true God, Yahweh. And he is the one who perfectly grants justice and mercy. And he does not set justice to the side. Turn to Romans chapter 3. The Apostle Paul explains this about God and his character of justice and mercy. Describing truly the grace of God upon his people. Romans chapter 3 verse 26. Sorry, Romans chapter 3 verse 23. Through 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. What is the Apostle Paul saying here? What is Jesus teaching us about the characteristics of God that he is both just and merciful? Is that God justly punished sin at Calvary. That at the cross, Jesus Christ, his son, bled and died. And he, when he died, he died bearing our sins. And God the Father poured out his wrath on the son. Jesus became your substitution. He died in your place. For your sins. And he was punished justly. By the wrath of God. And God's wrath. That just ruling. Was satisfied. When he poured out his wrath on his son. Who took up our sins. Therefore for us. Who have faith in Christ. We have received God's mercy. Because we were not punished at the cross. Amen. Amen. This is the wonderful work of redemption. Of salvation. Of people who are unworthy. To be called children of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. For our sake he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's perfect mercy was exercised through his perfect justice at the cross. And by faith in Christ we received the gift of God. The grace of God. Salvation in Christ alone. Look at the last verse here in the text of Luke chapter 18. He says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When Christ returns on the in the clouds, and if you are here, will he find faith in Christ in you? Will he find you in prayer without ceasing, alert and waiting for his return? I would point this out to you if you're a follower of Christ. There is hindrances in prayer for the believer. And what that is, is sin. 
and not confessing those sins. Even though our sin has been forgiven and removed at the cross, because we're not glorified yet, we still battle with sin. And therefore, we need to confess our sin before our prayers to God. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. I love that verse. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities, your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The Apostle Peter warns husbands in 1 Peter chapter 2 that if you do not treat your wife in a godly way, the Lord will not pay attention to your prayers. Therefore, for all of us who are followers of Christ, who are struggling and battling with sin, let us confess our sins, for he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When Christ returns, will you have already given up on prayer? Many of us give up on prayer because of timing. We want immediate answers now, right? We want the prayer right now. We want the answer, right? I mean, come on, seriously, I pray and I want the answers now. Do you? We do. It's like, Jesus, come now. But it's according to God's will, God's plan. It does not mean that he does not want to answer. But sometimes we have to wait. And the wait has to do with helping us through the trials of this world so that we would continue to persist in prayer, so that we would trust him fully and that we would have this perseverance in prayer so that he does a great work to teach us about his greatness. So follow the example of the widow. God always answers the prayers of his people. And not only with a yes, but sometimes the answer is no, because he knows better than we do of what we're asking for. And so if he says no in prayer, we should praise the Lord because we prayed for the wrong thing. If he says yes and delays, then we need to keep praying and ask for patience so that we would go through the trials. But don't give up. Keep persevering. Keep praying. And the reason is because your hope is in Christ. As the worship team comes forward, I would say that this is a time for Christians to pray more than ever. Specifically for our nation. Do you pray that all of our governmental leaders who are without Christ would come to Christ? Do you pray for that? Have you seen the news? Everyone's surprised by a bill that was passed Two days ago or three days ago in the house. Everyone's surprised by it. Why should we be surprised by the sinfulness and the wickedness of this earth? There's all these fears about what's coming down the pipeline for churches. God is sovereign. He builds this church. He calls his people to faithful prayer. And if there's tribulation, persecution, and trials, he will bring you through it. And if you would dare die in those moments, the great thing is you gain Christ. And yet I know it's the struggle of things becoming very real. Our hope is in Christ. It's not in America. Our hope is not in the religious freedom of America. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Therefore, be persistent like the widow in prayer. And remember Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. 
Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence. You need confidence in prayer this morning? Your hopes in Christ. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we were singing at the beginning of the service, it is well with my soul. I pray that your soul is well with the Lord this morning from the truth of his word that you can rest on the truth that he answers your prayers if you're one of his children. Would you take a few moments and just pray? In this moment, whatever it may be, do you need to confess sin before the Lord? Are there things that you've asked for wrongly out of selfishness? Are you praying for the salvation of the lost? Are you praying that God would do a work in some, some way, in someone, in, in, in our city, whatever it may be? This is the time to pray. And if you've been far from the Lord and the Lord has not heard your prayers, today is the day you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he not only died on the cross for your sins, but he rose again, conquering Satan's sin and death. And he calls you today to believe in him. Take a moment and just pray with our Heavenly Father.